quote I've I've I've, uh, I've found I've, I've seen somewhere on Twitter was don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Yes, that's a very good one. Also a good one, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, Lynn, so let's just kick it off. Uh, can you sure. please tell us a little bit about yourself and what are you working on currently? Uh, yeah, so my name is Lynn and I live in San Francisco. Um, about six, seven months, I started a project called Key Values. Um, so previously, I was freelancing as a web developer for two, two and a half years, and I sat down to look for a full-time job. And that experience was just so terrible, and um, was, I was like had a lot of anxiety, and it was really stressful. But mainly, it was just frustrating because I couldn't find any information about the teams that I was applying to, um, like who I'd be working with, how we'd be working together, um, and like what the day to day would actually look like. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of how Key Values came to be. Uh, I wanted to create a, a product that would help job seeking engineers find teams that shared their values rather than searching by salary or you know company reputation or company size um, i think those things are important but um, for a lot of people like myself they're just i mean it doesn't matter so much it's not the breaking point in deciding where you want to work so yeah i've been working on key values for the last yeah six seven months um full time probably for four or five months and yeah <laughs> I came upon uh, upon your uh, post or article on, on Dev.io, uh, and it's it's really interesting how you made the mind shift of uh, just stopping to postpone stuff and then actually get working on that project. Can you just give us a little bit about a little bit of context of that time? Like, how did you make that mind shift? Did you read something or did you watch something? Um, I yeah, no, that's tricky. I don't know if it was like a a switch. You know, sometimes there's like a eureka moment. It wasn't like that so much. Um, so actually, one of my good friends, Cortland Allen, he created Indie Hackers. Have you guys heard of Indie Hackers? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think there's a few things. There was like momentum from that or just inspiration from that. Um, so I think I've always kind of deep down inside wanted to start something of my own. And I mean, a lot of people who end up freelancing are kind of have that itch too. They just want a little bit more freedom or more um, control over their schedule and the type of work they're doing. So I think that was like the gateway into uh, being an entrepreneur. Um, but posting, I think it was just realizing like building an audience is something that's important and, and being like, just like what you guys are doing, you wanna connect with people who are doing something at a similar stage. And I think that's the best way to do that. Um, previously, I was pretty shy, like shy on the internet, if that makes sense. Like I would read things like, yeah, what's called indie lurking, right? Like you read all, all the inspiring stories. I don't even like comment on people's posts, but I would read them, I would share them. Sometimes I would reread them, um, but I never like, I was just never participating. I was just a spectator. So I think just no, I think it's just over time I realized that I wanted to participate and then finally I just mustered the courage to do it. Right. That's super cool. Um, about your freelancing experience, that's very fascinating to me. You're also, uh, as far as I understood, a self-taught coder. Uh, so are we, uh, as well. Can you sh uh, share a little bit about what, how was how was life as a freelancer? Freelancing was really interesting for so many reasons. I think it was just also the first time I had done that type of work. Um, it's, I think the. Coolest thing, there's like lots of trade-offs. The bad parts about freelancing is the feast or famine 
phenomena where like you have a lot of work and you don't know how to juggle everything. And then there are times where you don't have any work. Um, so I was lucky enough to find a client that I had long term that I was like essentially a full time employee kind like they treated me as one. Um, but we would just re you know touch base every three months and talk about how to renew our contract which was a better than if you think as a full-time employee, usually there's like an annual review. So you have to wait 12 months to, you know, discuss how things are going and like maybe if you should change, like ask for promotion or any, anything like that. So I liked having more feedback more often. Um, but the main thing that freelancing taught me was to, like the big mind shift was thinking about how you're training time for money. And I started, it was like this crazy thing where I started feeling like on the weekends if I was okay so this is this is kind of like a tangent but you know when people invite you to something and you don't really know them and you feel kind of obligated to go but you don't really feel excited about it it was like stuff like that I realized that like I was like three hours of that is not worth you know three hours times my rate like they, yeah. I just like started thinking about things in terms of hours because I was billing by the hour um, so that was really interesting but overall I think freelancing is a really great way to go and it gives you so much more control um, over like who you're working with, how much you work, when you work, um, and where you work. And how did you how come Yeah, so this is where it's like, I wish I had better advice. I was just kind of lucky. Um, I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. I feel like the main thing I did was just tell everyone I knew that I was going to do contract work as a web developer. Um, and I mean, it's pretty common if you're working at a company, especially in the Bay, where you know you bite off more than you can chew, and your team's like really overloaded. And then people, and then your team's like, does anyone know, like, I know anyone who can help us for three months? And you just want to make sure your name is the first name that comes to mind. So I just told like all of my friends, all of their friends, I would broadcast it. Um, so every once in a while, even my friends that weren't developers, they'd be like, oh, you know, I think we need like someone to program the things. Do you do that? Like, do you know HTML, CSS? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. I know that. Um, so I would get jobs like that, and then eventually it was word of mouth, and yeah, it just kind of picked up from there. But the first clients, I one of my first clients, I actually found over Twitter, and I wasn't even active on Twitter yet. Someone had showed me, um, and that was really cool. I like I DM'd her, got on the phone, and the next day we were like starting a one week, you know, trial, and that worked out great. Okay, that's pretty cool. And you started programming in 2015, is that right? Yeah. So what did you start re uh, like uh, learning first? I'm really curious about that because um, as a self-taught programmer as well, I try to get a lot of people excited about coding because it's I think it's very easy to start today. Um, so I wonder what your path was. So I, I guess it's like slightly cheating. I wouldn't say I'm totally self-taught. I actually did a boot camp. Um, I did dev. Uh, dev bootcamp. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um, they actually, I think they're they're folding now or they're closing. Mm -hmm. But in 2015, I decided to do the program, um, and the reason why I it's like pseudo is because I actually left the program in the middle, so I didn't graduate or complete the program. But anyways, um, so dev bootcamp. I think their curriculum was first Ruby, because mm -hmm. it's the most like English, like it's pretty, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think we spent like one week with JavaScript, which I wish we had spent more time learning. Um, and then like one week with HTML, CSS, but mainly it was uh, Ruby and Ruby on Rails. 
how, how intense are those? I've heard of them because uh, I also learned it, but I did it online kind of by myself. So how, how, in, how intense, extensive is that uh, the boot camp? Is it like a full day of work? Or? Yeah, it's a, so I think, I can't even remember. I think it's nine weeks remote, like on your own, doing it, like, you know, doing it from the comfort of your home at whenever you want on the weekends or something. And then there's the nine week intensive. So everyone moves to San Francisco and for nine weeks you go in every day to probably like nine to 5 p.m. or 9 to 6 p.m. But most people stay like 9 to 9. Um, and for me, I like it's expensive. So for me, it was like, I'm going to be there like 90 hour weeks. You can go, it's open on the weekends. So I was just, yeah, I was all in. Um, and I actually think that uh, I probably took it more seriously than some people. Like I was like really, I personally was very intense about it. So I was like, this is expensive. <laughs> so I tried to get my money's worth, that's for sure. So um, how did you decide to make the switch from learning to actually start to practicing? Did you feel comfortable doing some things and then you started looking for clients? That's a good question. I think, the, to be honest, there was a lot of like imposter syndrome. Like I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, the, the first gigs, I had, I had some help also. So I'm friends with a, lo I'm friends with a lot of developers. Um, uh, my boyfriend's a software engineer. Um, he and and Cortland also my good friend. He was also very hands on in helping me when I needed some help. Um, I think I wasn't really ready, but I just went for it. And then it was over time. It was one of those things where I was like, people are paying me, and <laughs> they're not complaining about the work I'm doing. So maybe it's okay. maybe I do know what I'm doing. Um, and then yeah, just gradually over time, I think it just I felt more comfortable. Um, I don't know. Again, there's not like a switch where I was like, today I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. completely yeah. understand. I think I'm still in that phase. I think yeah, people are not complaining. Do I know what I'm doing? I don't know. <laughs> Let's just continue doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole fake it till you make it. But at some point, you realize, like, even you know, if you remember not knowing how to code at all, even someone who knows a little bit more is very valuable because of all the work it takes to learn. So um, I think it's just good about being as long as you're upfront about your abilities and. Um, that's why I really felt comfortable with contracting because it's kind of like here Let's try it for a week and if we're both happy. We'll continue um, Versus if you sign full-time, it's like a much bigger commitment um, So yeah, I think that's and it's funny because that's kind of related to key values now It's like I think that making signing a full-time offer is like a really big commitment. I think it's like marriage, you know um, it's like who you're spending most of your waking hours with um, and it's frowned upon to quit after three months and change jobs you know so i think freelancing kind of like it's acceptable to do a short-term project see how it goes and then decide to continue or you know part ways uh, can you tell a little bit more like you know in a sentence or in a tweet um the the, the gist of what key values is yeah um it's a couple ways to do it but i would say key values helps job seeking engineers find teams that share their values Right. And what led you to that realization, to the realization that there is a better way to find a team as a developer to work in? I think I've always kind of felt that way. Um, and I, I, I will say that it's not better for everyone. So like there's a lot of people who only care about the, the compensation, you know, how much equity they're getting, how much their salary is. And that's all, that's like the number one, number two. Um, but there's a lot of people and in this, in that, for that subset, I think it is better. Um, I think I've always kind of known that. Like, so before I learned how to code, before I started doing startup stuff at all, um, I was in grad school. And the first year of grad school, 
is rotations. So everyone for their entire first year is just working in different labs for three, three months, three, four months. And then they do three to five of those before they join a lab, like and commit, you know, four to 10 years or however long it takes to do your PhD. Um, and so I think I'm just like used to that type of model where you really get to know a team before you join them. So it was really odd to go from that to, you know, the working world where you do some calls with a recruiter who you won't be working with. And then you do a take home test in isolation. And then you do an interview with a couple with like two people where there's no talking. They're just like quizzing you, you know, they're grilling you and then you eat lunch and then you have to decide if you want to be exclusive with these people. And I think it's just like, like very odd to me. So in a way, I've kind of always felt that way. Um, and then on the flip side, I mentioned my boyfriend, he's a, or I mentioned he's a software engineer, but he's also a startup founder. So it was kind of like the time when I was looking for jobs and it was just like not all the questions I wanted to ask, there was just no way to get to them until I did all the steps of the interview. Um, and then also hearing him complain about how hard it is to hire engineers. <laughs> and like, you know, people, you, in, you do all the work on both sides and then sometimes like a week into hiring, you realize there's like an obvious mismatch. What do you do? Like make it work, I guess, like try to make it work. It's just, yeah, it's just no one wins in that situation. So, um, I just, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, I just felt like there had to be something better. Like I think everyone wants that information. It just seems like it's so buried in the process. I just wanted to reorder it so you would get to talk about some of those things up front before you go through, you know, the technical screens, the whiteboarding, the on-site interviews. Yeah. And do you, is it, are you getting the, the information about the companies? For, I mean, is it, a, is it, is it an aut automated system that you kind of getting this, the, cause I mean, they can write everything on their website, but then that those might not be the values actually that they're looking for. Yeah, so no, it's not automated. It's not scraped. It's really hands-on. Um, I'm getting lots of, you know, a lot of people in Silicon Valley are like, that's so not scalable. But at the same time, it's like, there's no other way. Yeah, exactly. um, so no, in the beginning, I was like interviewing engineers and engineering managers. Um, and then I would like, I would prepare, I would do like six hours of research, read all of their Glassdoor reviews, read, like look up everyone on LinkedIn, follow, see like who's on the team now, what did they do before? definitely read their website. If they had a technical blog, I'd read every post. Um, like I would do all my homework as if I was interested in applying. And then I would do these interviews. Um, and then I'm embarrassed to say that I would then transcribe <laughs> the interviews um, and then just like try to, you know, make sense of these, like put it into words that uh, was readable and kind of accessible and then work with them to see if they like approved of them. But basically, that's, I mean, that is, that was like a lot of work. Today, uh, companies, I work with them and we share like a Google Doc and we go back and forth about, you know, the values that they've chosen and I ask them questions and it's a lot of like tough love usually where I'm like, this isn't really enough. Like to say like everyone here really, you know, values work-life balance is like not enough, you know, so I'm, I want to ask like, what's a typical day of an engineer? Like do people, you ever find someone here past 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. or are people working on weekends? What's the on-call like process like? And yeah, so it's just like a lot of like, do people work from home? Do people work remotely? Is there flexibility there? So uh, no, it's not. It's not automated. It takes a lot of time each one.
Yeah, I mean, like you said, that's that's the only way to properly do it. And so, so the values that we see on the website are they your opinion of the company once you interview them, or is it a mix between what they're saying about themselves and then you confirm that on the? Wait, will you say that one more time? The values on the website do. Is it so a in the full list? Yeah, I mean the the final result of the the description of the company is it your opinion of the company after the interview process, or is it a combination between what they say about themselves and what you think and confirm? I see. It's it's a hundred percent what they like. They control. They select their own values and they write the content, um, or they like at least in the beginning they would definitely approve the content, but they always select their own values. Um, the only times I will suggest something different is if they really struggle to qualify a value. Like if you can't talk about it in a paragraph, you probably don't really like follow through, or that that value doesn't translate really into your daily behaviors if you can't actually talk about it. Um, so that's the only time that I'll suggest something different. But otherwise, it's really up to them. Um, and I know there's lots of questions, right? Like you're asking, like you know, they can say whatever they want. How do you know if it's accurate? Um, and that part's really interesting. In the beginning, that took me a, a lot of time because I was very concerned with accuracy. But ultimately, I think what I'm trying to do is I'm basically interviewing, like as if I'm a job seeker applying to these companies, I'm doing that interview that's buried down the process, like after the phone screens, after the whiteboarding, after the coding challenges, that interview where you get to ask the company about you know, who they are, what they're like. Um, and then, of course, in those same, when you interview at a company, like they can say whatever they want, right? Like it's, I mean, ultimately it's up to the individual to decide if it's true. And so all I'm doing is getting that information, putting it in one place, making it really searchable. And then it's really ultimately up to a job seeker to read it and see if they are convinced. Um, and I won't say who, but I think some profiles are like A plus and others are like a B. Like they're not as, they don't do as, good of a job convinced like I'm not as convinced with what they're saying as well um, obviously I can't you know I work back and forth a lot until I get something pretty good but yeah so I mean I think it's like I I have that judgment too so I think it's like really up to you to read them and see and compare I mean it's really easy to look at different teams uh, describe the same value and you can kind of see like it's kind of just like a structure for people to fill in themselves and you get an idea of who they are just the way that they even write about it um yeah how do you go about the access to gaining access to these companies and how do you earn their trust to open up uh and give you access to their employees to ask them those hard questions i assume yeah no that's an interesting it's very it's evolved a lot in the very beginning it was i basically exhausted my network <laughs> like i live in san francisco i know lots of engineers um, from pre I've, pre I've worked with engineers from uh, my freelance work and also from previous companies before I was a web developer myself. So I, you know, it was like asking lots of favors and I, in the beginning it was like, once I realized how to pitch it, companies wouldn't say no because it was basically like, hi, I'm Lynn, I would love to work for you for free to help you hire engineers, which everyone is trying to do. Like it's like I'll do all of the work. I'll just come in and interview you for an hour or so, and then I'll do all of the heavy lifting and writing. And then all you have to do is like review it. So I think most people were like, "Okay, that sounds good." Mm -hmm. um, so it was mainly just like me working a lot. Um, and then I think just everyone knowing that they have control over their profile makes them trust. Like you know, they trust it. And 
um, yeah, now people have been emailing me, which has been great. Mm -hmm. And it's usually people who are like, this obviously resonates with them and they're really interested in it. Um, and I will say that there's a lot of self-filtering. Like if you aren't willing to invest the time and energy into creating a profile, because they are, you know, it's not something you do quickly. Um, yeah, then they don't end up following through. So a lot of like just having a profile on key values, I think says a lot about the team. How like the fact that they care, yeah. How long after you started? So from day one uh, was the moment when you got the first company that approached you, not you, not the other way around. Right. It was after launch. Right. That was like a, that was a light switch. Like so, I I basically was like, I would travel, bring my camera just in case they didn't have photos. Um, I would, as I said, I would do like the ten out eight hours, whatever of research, preparing questions, go record the interview, transcribe. Like I did all of that. And then the day that I launched, it like I never had to do that again. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So like, I, yeah, I haven't had to do that since launching. It was September fifth. And how do you just tie into that? How did you go? Uh, do you go about promoting the the company and the the vision? Oh no, sorry, I think you broke up. Can you hear me now? Hello, hello. hello, hello. Oh, say it again. Yeah. How do you go about promoting the company? How do I go about onboarding? Promoting. Oh, promoting. Um, that's the hard part that I'm struggling with now. So I was going to say, you guys are probably familiar, like there's the post-launch trough of sorrow. <laughs> like the day you launch, there's a lot of excitement and traffic, and then it dies down. So right now, my strategy is content marketing, which is going like OK, just because I'm kind of slow to write articles and posts. Is it only you working with other oh, people? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just me. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it just takes me a while. And I think I kind of get in my head about what to write about. Yeah. Like, do people care? Is it interesting? And, and then I'm a little bit of a perfectionist where I'll reread and edit uh, an article for a really long time. And, um, and then I'll end up not even publishing it. <laughs> but that's my current strategy is content marketing. Nice. Are you considering the type of medium older at the moment? Um, so you said you saw my post on. So my first article ever was for indie hackers, um, because that's kind of like where it all started for me. It felt appropriate. And then I actually just kind of on a fluke cross posted it to Dev Two, which is I guess where you saw yeah. that article. Um, and then the next one I wrote for I I got most of my traffic from Hacker News launching. So. I also it's weird. I feel like I have like a relationship with these communities, but like, like I owe like it's like a person. Like I'm like I owe Hacker News this article, so I wrote Hacker News a post and it was on Medium, and then I also kind of cross posted that on Dev Two. Um, but yeah, that one also got um, I got approached by Hacker Noon to include my story in their publication. That was really that was really cool, and yeah, I think there's a few more audiences I'd like to get involved with. Um, yeah, so. I don't have a like. I'm kind of just exploring still which ones are the right audience. Like for example, indie hackers is a great community, but they're not my ideal target audience because most of those people, even though they're developers, they're they want to quit their jobs and start a business. <laughs> they're not trying to quit their jobs and find a new job. So they're great for feedback, but they're not my ideal audience. 
And uh, when when you when you think about the target audience, uh, how, how do you differentiate that? All these platforms and all these communities, you have these different type of people always in the same place. You have the, the starters, you have people for just just a new gig. How do you differentiate your content appears to the right? Um, I think that's a little bit of just be like being active on whatever community, like Reddit, for example, is like very different from Product Hunt. Product Hunt is very different from Hacker News. Um, and you kind of get a feeling just based on like being in those communities and seeing how people interact with each other. Like if you look at um, a Product Hunt launch or, and you see the comments versus a show HN, the comments, it's very, you can tell, it's just like a very different community and the, the culture of that community is very different. So I think it's kind of guessing with those, and sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm not. Um, yeah, I think Hacker News is, it's interesting. I, my guess is that the people who are most active and like comment, at least they're the ones, it makes me at first think that they're not the right audience. They're people who care. So I call it mercenaries versus missionaries. Um, and Key Values is really built for missionaries, you know, people who are not motivated by money primarily. Um, and I think just based on the comments in Hacker News, there was a while where I thought maybe Hacker News wasn't the right audience because a lot of people complain that there's no salaries listed on key values and, you know, there's no, like, like uh, funding level listed on key values. And those things, I think, are not as important to, say, missionaries. Um, but just looking at how people, users referred from Hacker News interact on my site, I think there's a lot of people who are the appropriate audience. So I think it's a little bit of trial and error, but then I do have data based on traffic and like the behavior of users and how they interact with my site. So obviously there's a lot of people who do like key values from Hacker News that just don't comment. <laughs> do you, um, interesting. Do you have any data on most uh, Wait, sorry, can you say that again? Do you have, do you have data on most yeah, so I actually, my second post was um, sharing some of that data. Uh, it's, it's actually really interesting. So that's the one that I wrote for Hacker News. I basically look at what Hacker News readers look for in a job just based on the values that they select. Um, and then I break them down based off of country, and I also compare them to audiences like Dev.2 and Product Hunt. And it confirms a lot of the, the ideas that people have about those communities. Um, well, yeah, it's pretty interesting, like, uh, like spoiler alert, I guess, just the, the number one and number two values across any community, any country, like, doesn't matter how you break down the data, it's always work-life balance and high-quality code base, which I think is, like, not surprising, but also so surprising <laughs> that it's just, like, those are the clear two things that people care about and are looking for. And how are you going to go collecting this data in track and track? Oh, I use um, both Google Analytics and Amplitude. Um, yeah, and they, they are strong in different ways. But what's Amplitude? I'm not familiar with it. Oh yeah, Amplitude is an, it's just another um, analytics. It's for websites to track. You know, uh, it's easier for looking at like user segmentation and how you can look based on like events, mm -hmm. and you can create your own events, and it's really easy to. Um, integrate. I guess Google Analytics is as well. Um, I haven't, I'm actually still kind of getting familiar with Amplitude, but um, actually Amplitude is the founders went to school with me and I originally interviewed them for a profile. So they're also on key values. 
<laughs> and then once I started using their product, I was like, wait, this is so much cooler than I really like. It's really powerful. So um, highly recommend it if you guys haven't checked that. It's really easy to set up. And you don't have to pay until much later. <laughs> we'll check it out for sure. Uh, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm curious, you just mentioned that uh, that's a funny thing that Amplitude were also on your platform. Do companies that you're working with consider this as a marketing opportunity being on key values? Uh, I, just I think so. I mean, yeah, right? Like I, in the beginning, I think it was like a huge favor because I didn't exist yet. And it's, you know, it's risky to invest time on something you don't know if it's going to just be thrown away. Um, but now I do think so. I mean, like I obviously, our, our values are aligned. Like I want traffic and I want people to discover these teams that are really great and are maybe, you know, you've never heard of Amplitude, but maybe you should. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they're also seeing the same thing. Like they, they, want, uh, they want people to visit their profile and learn more about their company. And I think even people who aren't interested in applying, it's still good. Uh, it's still good uh, coverage, like visibility. Absolutely. I want to shift a little bit to something outside of the tech world and a little bit of your uh, professional and career focus to another thing that's caught my eye. That's your Ironman uh, preparation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, so that's why I have the bike. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm training for an Ironman. It is scarily soon. It's my first. Ironman, it's um, November 26th in Cozumel, Mexico. Um, yeah, it's for people who don't know, I guess it's a 2.4 mile swim, open water swim, mm -hmm. followed by a 112 mile bike ride. And then you finish with, uh, you know, just a short little marathon, 26.2 <laughs> miles of running. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's been, it's been an interesting year, guys. <laughs> How are you preparing for it? How long have you been preparing for it? So basically, like, I really decided, so I'd never done a triathlon until March, April maybe, I can't remember. So I had like a little bit of a freak out earlier this year in March. Um, yeah, I can like, the, the TLDR is just like, I had a little moment. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And so I decided to do an Ironman and then also try to start a business basically in the same like weeks, two weeks span. <laughs> So then I was like, all right, 2017, like I'm only doing these two things. I'm cutting everything out. Like no more barbecues, no more birthdays, no more housewarmings, like no social life basically. It's just like key values and Ironman training and that's it. Um, but yeah, it's been kind of, it's good because obviously, you know, when you work, you sit a lot and yeah. you're inside a lot. So I think it's kind of actually been really smart almost that I have this other thing that makes me, you know, go outside and work out and make sure I'm not just, cause it's really easy sometimes for me to just want to work for like 30 hours straight. I forget to eat, forget to sleep. So I think it's good to have this other thing that helps me uh, keep some type of schedule. But yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. How do you manage it? Do you have like a plan? Let's say every day you do two hours of that, one hour of that. Is there a program or a plan to it? To there was. <laughs> But I don't really, I haven't really stuck with it. It's so bad. Oh man, it's um, yeah. There's, there was this training schedule that I was being, I was like religiously sticking to it in the first couple of months, and then um, when uh, I did my first half Ironman, it was like, oh, that went better than I thought, which was dangerous because then I got a little cocky and I was like, I don't think I need to train this hard. <laughs> like, I can skip, I can skip some workouts here and there. Um, 
and yeah, it's so it's been. It'll be interesting. I think my goal is just to complete the race. Um, I'm not in the beginning. I was like, I want to get sub 14 hours or like whatever. And now I'm just like, I'm fine if I walk a little bit, maybe a lot of it, as long as I finish before the cutoff, I'll be happy. Perfect. Um, regarding regarding the the Ironman, who hooked you up to that? Did you uh, that yourself or a friend? Um. So. So yeah, I guess this kind of goes back. So my freak out <laughs> in March was basically, yeah, this happens to me from time to time where I just kind of have, it's like people say it's like the quarter life crisis, which I actually had a legitimate quarter life crisis before so that it wasn't that, but it was like a mini little, I don't know what happened. I just felt like, just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, like I'm almost 30. Like, what's the goal? Where am I trying to go? Um, and then, you know, family and friends are always like, oh, you know, like, do what you love, like, follow your dreams. And then that's like, you know, easier said than done. But then it also made me panic because I was like, I don't have any dreams. And then that mean that was like what really kickstarted this crazy thing for me because I was just like, I don't even have any dreams. Like, I don't even know what I like, you know, because some people like dream that they'll someday open a restaurant or like they'll move to Bali or I don't know, they have some far-fetched dream. Um, and I like didn't have any, so I just spent like a week feeling really sad or just like confused why I didn't. Because I think I'm a very passionate, like driven person, but I don't have like clear set dreams. So, anyways, the three I, I realized that the three dreams that I kind of had things, and I like define them as like things that I've kind of wished or like wanted for more than ten years, just like maybe in the background even. And doing an Ironman was one of those. So in high school, um, I ran my first marathon. And the varsity soccer coach, he had, like, everyone was like, oh, you should talk to him because he runs marathons. So I was chatting with him, and he was actually an Ironman athlete. So that was the first time I'd ever heard of an Ironman, and I think that planted a seed a long time. I was, like, 16, 17. So for a long time, I had been like, someday I'll do that. And so I think earlier this year, I just was like, it's better. It's probably now versus later. It'll be It'll be harder once I have kids, so I don't have kids yet. So it's like... Probably sooner is better than later. Might as well do it, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what's the plan then for the next six months, let's say, uh, sports-wise and, and the company-wise? <laughs> Man, I wish I was had a better answer that didn't <laughs> show that I'm not such a good planner these days. My real goal is just to, like, I really have to switch gears and focus on my race because it really does matter to me a lot. Um, and I think that it's really taken, like, you know, a backseat for key values. Like key values has just been like all consuming. So um, I'm trying to shift gears and make sure that I'm like really doing the training, focusing on nutrition, like foam rolling and stretching enough, which is like, I've not been doing that at all. So bad, so bad. <laughs> I'm like embarrassed to say this out loud. I hope no one who like isn't tri like a triathlete is hearing this because they'll be so- Because of everyday people, everybody has their own thing and they're struggling. To <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, the goal is just to continue growing key values. I had some, you know, growth goals, like in terms of traffic, I was hoping to hit 2000 sessions a day for like a solid week without too much effort. And that is turning out to be pretty challenging, guys, pretty challenging to get users to your site consistently. Um, and then after that, I want to switch to mo like monetization. Um, as much as I love, like I, yeah, at some point, the girls got to eat, I got to make some money. Um, the goal is obviously to make key values a revenue generating business. Um, 
So yeah, I have runway though, and until I you know complete the race, I think I'll just continue focusing on growth. But then after that, I'll switch gears and um, start charging for my service and for the work of helping, depending like the varying levels of uh, getting teams onboarded. Um, and then yeah, I think it's kind of like we'll see how it goes from there. I still have a lot of. I think there's still a lot for me to learn in terms of how, like the different ways to charge. Like in the beginning, I was thinking about doing a monthly subscription. It's like, you know, like a jobs, a job board, you have people, is that my computer? <laughs> it, uh, you know, people pay X dollars for them to be just post their, I'm sorry, I'm closing these windows, um, to post their, their profile. Um, and then there's obviously the more lucrative option is to get paid by placement. Um, so if someone gets hired through key values, you know, recruiters make, you know, sometimes it's like 20%, 25% of the first year salary. Um, yeah, there's like all sorts of uh, contracts for, that recruiters have with companies. But in some way, yeah, so I'm still kind of like even soul searching a little bit about which one feels right because I think part of the reason why recruiting is so broken is because as a recruiter, you're motivated to place people, make sure that they stay there for three months, sometimes six months, but mainly it's like a 90 day or you know some some uh, period like that. And then a lot of recruiters end up trying to poach those people and then have them sign to another company so that they can get, because that's how they make money, by placing them at different companies. So it's like, I feel in some ways like that's part of the problem, you know? And so I, I feel, I'm not sure if I'm, yeah, I just need to figure out if that doing that same model is appropriate for key values. Is there are, are you are there any advisors that you like commenting that with? Are you getting some feedback um, from other people within the industry, or maybe just have gone through that stage of being a free service and then trying to monetize? I mean, yeah, lots of companies are a free service and then flip the switch at some like later down the road. Um, yeah, I, I get advice from. Honestly, from a lot from the internet and people that I've met through, through like indie hackers or Hacker News, Reddit, Twitter. Twitter's been phenomenal. Um, and then of course, like you know, I've many of my friends have you know are YC founders, previously YC founders. Um, and then every company that I profile, you know, they have opinions. They ha they have existing contracts with you know third parties, or maybe they have they're just transitioning from using um, an external recruiter to hiring an internal. One, um, some of the teams that are bigger have a, like a full-fledged HR team, and they have a lot of opinions and comments and advice. So I'm getting, I'm hearing, it's like I'm again, I'm not, um, I don't know if I said this, but I don't have a background in HR or recruiting, so I'm learning this as I go. But it's been pretty interesting just hearing where people stand on it. Um, but everyone agrees that it's not a great process. Like it's definitely broken. Everyone agrees on that for sure. Yeah, hiring is such a big pain, uh, especially in the startup and tech world. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, you mentioned something, and I think I read about it uh, as well. But I just, I'm just not sure. I want to ask you about that. Uh, did you did you fund yourself, uh, or did you rely on external funding when you were starting? Um, no, yeah, I'm totally self funded. Um, I like kind of knew, so I was kind of saving honestly to like maybe like potentially someday buy property in San Francisco because that's like a 10 year dream. <laughs> it's so expensive here. Um, and then also just like saving for the future. So, and then also like potentially to start a business someday. I didn't really know, but for, basically since I started freelancing, I was saving money. Um, and then I think like a year into that, I 
started feeling more sure that I wanted a cushion for something like to take just to take some type of risk. Um, I wasn't quite sure, you know, I didn't have an idea. I didn't feel confident like starting a business at all or like building a product all on my own. None of that, like I, none of that was in place yet, but I still kind of felt like I would, wouldn't regret saving money, you know? So um, yeah, I spent a lot of time saving money and then like near to the end where I started to feel like it was like more possible, I was, already living very frugally and, and trying to do, I would like double up on clients. Um, yeah, I think, I don't remember exactly. There was like one month, maybe it was this year, January, February, I just worked like nonstop. And it was like J January, there was like all the holidays and whatnot. And I just like grinded it out. I had two full-time jobs basically um, trying to save money. Um, well, it's a good approach if you want to self on something and not rely yeah. on external influences. Yeah, so I'm not, so this is like an interesting, I'm not sure if I, I hadn't really decided if I was going to say this or not, but maybe I just will. So I actually applied for YC um, and I got invited for an interview and I've just been thinking like, like it's weird because before I applied, I was very like, I want to be bootstrapped. I want to be self-funded. I want to, you know, I have runway. So it's just interesting because I'm, uh, I have five days until my interview and I'm like still, I'm. Yeah, anyways, I'm not sure when you're publishing this. I don't know if this is a good idea for me to say this, but like, I had some reservations about whether or not this is the right fit for me to take money at all. Um, I don't need it yet, but, you know, of course, someday, you know, yeah, anyways, I'm still working this out, but. So well, the plan is just to see if they, they'll accept you and then make that decision then? Yeah, and also, I mean, obviously, I, don't, I just want to be upfront with them as well about, yeah, yeah. so. Um, I think I so before I learned how to code I worked at Homejoy. I don't know if you guys have heard of Homejoy, but um, I learned a lot from my experiences there and I think in some ways like honestly like immediately following Homejoy I had some like strong biases of, of, about VC money and like getting having investors just because I felt like that really shaped the way the company was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm still new to this space and thinking about this so i'm still yeah my i'm still forming opinions i suppose just figuring out stuff yeah, as they go yeah like yeah just full disclosure i don't have it yeah i'm not sure yet sounds familiar <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah i think it also depends on like the type of business right like some business you need capital yeah so and i don't know if key values requires it just yet obviously with capital i could grow it much faster um, but yeah, so I, I think it's also funny because because this is like the first product that I've launched. I think there's a lot of me wanting to just learn it the hard way because that's yeah, like I want to make the mistakes and realize like this strategy failed, and I think I enjoy that part. Um, and it feels different when it's your own money. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I mean, we've I've been working only for startups since I started uh, programming, and I can definitely see that it's not a decision that has to be taken lightly, whether you accept funding or you don't. So I think, because uh, it's easy when you have an idea, just say, okay, let's uh, let's get some financing and then start working on it. But then that has effects in the in the long run. So it's, uh, it's really something important. Yeah, and I've heard both sides. Like I've heard people who are like, oh no, like this is, you know, if you have the right advisors and investors, it's the best decision possible. But obviously I'm in Silicon Valley, there's all these horror stories. There's lots of people that, you know, regret it and it bites them, in, you know, bites them in the ass later on. Um, so 
yeah, I'm just, I mean, of course, I, this is, everyone has their own path and it's different for everyone. It depends on like the timing, on the individuals involved, on the actual company, the industry, on the investors. It's like everything, there's so many factors, but it's definitely something to, to be thoughtful and thoughtful about and considering. What? And we want to be thoughtful and considering of your time. Uh, so uh, we would like to wrap it up. Uh, thanks very much for being here. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. That, where can people find out more about key values? Just drop out some handles, URLs, what you want to mention so people can go and check it out. Yeah, so the website is keyvalues.io. Hopefully it's easy to remember. Um, and then, you know, Twitter, it's just my, it's my name, Lynn Tai. It's L-Y-N-N-E-T-Y-E. Um, but on my website, on Key Values, I link out so it's easy to find me. I love when people email me or like DM me. Um, so I hope if people are interested, they can reach out. I'd love to chat. And are you open to European companies as well? Yeah, I am. I'm actually, um, I have, you know, Algolia, I think was my first right. European company. Their, their engineering team is based entirely out of Paris. Um, so they have um, some off, they have like an office here in San Francisco, but all of their, their entire dev team is in Paris. Mm -hmm. So that was the first one. Um, and yeah, there's several others in London and Germany. There's many coming. There's like many that are in the works. So you'll see them over the next few weeks. Amazing. And we're catching up, yeah. Yeah. Europe is always slow, but it gets there eventually. <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm based here, so, you know. But you got to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been, this has been really fun. Thanks, Lin. Yeah, we're following your, your triathlon and uh, your Ironman performance as well. So let us know how that goes as well. Pressure now. I have to complete it, right? Because you guys are, okay. Well, you said it now, so you have to. I know. I'm going to do it, guys. <laughs> Can't believe it so soon, but yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with the company. And yeah, let's have a chat some, in some time as well. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah, we'll be in touch for sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Have a great one. It was a pleasure. Bye. Bye, guys.